0: Um, we're looking at uh, Luke chapter 18. We're just looking at three verses today. Uh, Luke 18, starting in verse 15. And this is God's word to you, because you are his beloved children. Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. That's to Jesus. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let The children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you that your ways are not like our ways. And we thank you that it turns out the gospel is the opposite of of what we would have thought spirituality was. We would have thought that spirituality was about us maturing and uh, attaining to you, becoming sophisticated. And and instead, it's uh, us becoming children. And about you coming to us, you being a father and coming down to us and doing things for us that we didn't even ask of you simply because of your great love. We ask that you would uh, use this scripture to train us as a congregation to understand all these little children that you've put in our midst. And we thank you that uh, you've blessed us with many children. (coughs) And we ask that they would uh, grow up to know you, and that you, by your grace, would uh, um, send forth (coughs) many generations of children from this church, in the decades that are ahead and maybe centuries that are ahead, and uh, that they would go out and be lights in the world, um, give us your spirit and your wisdom as we have been entrusted with the responsibility to uh, teach them the gospel and to not hinder them from coming to Jesus. So uh, we ask that you'd use your Holy Spirit to just um, apply uh, the words of my mouth to, um, to your people, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, excuse me, I'm having <laughs> a little trouble here. So um, we are talking about a very relevant uh, passage this morning. We're talking about children. We have lots of them running around uh, this place, so it's an uh, important passage. That's why I'm just, you know, Luke's a big book, but these three verses I wanted to spend uh, a full Sermon uh, looking at, and uh, specifically Jesus' relationship to children, Jesus' view of children. And, um, you know, it's a topic that I'm passionate about. I have five little children, and, uh, and not only that, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of children in this church. But even more than that, you know, as you look at the Bible, um, the Bible uh, says that humanity has a certain mission humanity as a whole has a mission that it's supposed to be doing in the earth. And the mission of humanity is to fill the earth with God's glory. And that mission, before sin and before the fall, that was the mission. You know, God made humans to be image bearers of God. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with God's glory. And, and so the mission, the way you did that, was you had little children. (laughs) And you taught them about God and then they scattered out into the world and they reflected the glory of God and they worshiped God throughout the world. And that hasn't changed. Uh, You know, the church church has kind of a new mission to make disciples as well. Uh, So so it's not just children, but also making disciples. Um, But the mission has not changed to fill the earth with God's glory. And so that means uh, this is a huge part of of our responsibility, is these children. And um, you know, uh, it's a tremendous blessing for these children to grow up in a, in a church and to hear about God um, from when they're very young. And, uh, but one of the things, you know, I just read a sur- about a survey this week um, that this was just within the last five years, the survey came out that um, for people that are between the ages of 18 and uh, 22, I believe, uh, 70% of them... Will uh, spend uh, at least a year away from the church uh, when they get to that age. And uh, another another survey said that 61 percent of kids that were actively involved in the church uh, during adolescence um, are uninvolved in church life uh, now in their 20s. And so there is a, a, a tremendous amount of, uh, and, and I don't know how that how that's been historically, but right now in the church there, there's a, a ton of of young people that are leaving the church. They've grown up in the church and they're leaving. And of course, you know, what are the reasons for that? There's all kinds of reasons. I mean, for one, you can't force a kid to believe what you believe, you know, we can't make our kids have faith, uh, that's something that God has to work in them. Uh, I mean, it can be things of, of that we've failed in our responsibility, that, that does happen, uh, you know, the Bible says that fathers, are to, do not provoke your children to anger, but raise them in the training and admonition of the Lord, um, you know, there can, can be hypocrisy in, in, in a family that causes children to leave, there's all kinds of reasons, but one of the things that I want to point out from this passage today um, is that one, uh, another reason why children uh, may be walking away from Jesus, and this may sound strange, is just a simple reason that we've never let them come to him. We haven't let them come to him in the first place. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the church, so it, it, I may not be in a place to speak to what it's like to grow up in the church, but I've talked to a lot of people Who have said that um, what church life was for them was a a tremendous amount of expectations and burdens that were being placed on them about this is how I'm supposed to live. This is how I'm supposed to be a good Christian. And yet um, they're not, they haven't been given the promises of God. They haven't been said you're a Christian, you're loved by God. Everything's been, you know, you're going to be in heaven. God has chosen you. And, And confirming to them that this is all that God's done for you. The main message has been what you need to do for God. Which, if I got up every week and told you as adults, these are all the things you need to do for God, th- I think this place would be empty, honestly. You wouldn't want to be here. This place would be lifeless. The, the life of our faith is telling people, this is what God's done for you. This is your identity in Christ. And, you know, for me, I, even though I didn't grow up in the church, I, 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 as a teenager, you know, I, was, uh, I dropped out of school. I was on drugs, and I, and I had kind of a dramatic conversion and I came to church, and, uh, and the youth leaders are always wanted me to, oh, share your testimony. You know, everyone wants to hear about the kid who's on drugs and isn't anymore. And, and you know, I love the Bible. And so all these kids, I, I'd give my testimony, and they come up to me who, who grew up in the church, and they start saying, that's it. I need to go party, and I need to go crazy. And then I'll see how much I need Jesus, and then I'll, I'll really be a Christian like you, you know? And I was like, that's what you got from my, my testimony, is using a party? And, and for me, I was like, I would have loved to grow up in the church. I, would, I love the Bible. I wanted to grow up and learn, and learn things. What, what's happening there? Well, I think that they've been treated as half Christians. And the half that they've been getting is these are all the things that you need to do. These are the ways that you need to mature until we truly treat you as a Christian. Until we give you full status. And um, and I think when we consider people as half Christians, until they sh- prove to us that they're spiritual enough, we're surprised when they get to be 18 and it turns out they are half Christians. <laughs> because that's how we've been treating them for their whole childhood. And uh, so I think um, what Luke is saying here um, in this passage, by giving this passage from Jesus, is that as disciples of Jesus, there's going to be a temptation for us to hinder our children from coming to Jesus. We're going to lay burdens and expectations on them that will, for, that will hold them back from coming to him. And um, you see that in there in verse 15. Now they were bringing infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. They were saying they can't come, they can't come yet. They got to become like us. But Jesus uh, called them to him, saying, "Let the little children, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them." So uh, my hope for this church, uh, not just right now, for generations, is that this would be a church where generations of children would come and have children themselves, and those kids would say, "God has called you and chosen you to be in." You are a part of God's people. You have everything in Christ. And, uh, and to grow up with the knowledge of that, until they give us some reason that that's not true, we give them the benefit of the doubt that they're in. And uh, so, with that in mind, I, I want to just say two things from this passage. First of all, children don't need to become like us in order to come to Jesus. Children don't need to become like us in order to come to Jesus. But Jesus goes further. <laughs> We do need to become like children in to order to come to Jesus, so they don't need to become like us, but we do need to become like them. So uh, how we're generally thinking it's reversed. Jesus reverses everything. So first, children don't need to come, uh, to come become like us to come t- to come to him. Now, um, like I said, I have, I have five children. Um, I love my children very. Very deeply, I, you know I, for many of you who have have children um, many both many feelings of frustration that you 've never thought you never knew were in you come out when you have children, but also um, the depth of love and care comes out as well, and what 's tied up with that is a tremendous amount of anxiety about them as well because we love them so deeply and I know I think about my kids already i 'm thinking about when they 're older um, are, are they going to be Walking with the Lord, are they going to love Jesus? Are they going to be involved in a church? Is something that I, I, I think about, I pray about, I, I, I feel kind of out of control about. And I know that many of you, have you either think about that with your young children or you have older children that are maybe figuring out their faith. And you're, you can't control uh, what they believe, what they do, whether they're involved in a church, and you feel out of control about that. And, you know, so in that regard, I feel like I can sympathize with the parents in this passage, who were bringing their infants to Jesus and they wanted him to touch them. And you know, it's interesting, that word for touch, every other place in in the Gospel of Luke where that word touch shows up, it's always Jesus placing his hands on someone to supernaturally heal them. What they're asking for is they want a supernatural act of grace to happen in their child's life. And that, that's what salvation is. That's what faith is. When we come to the Lord, that's a supernatural act of grace of God working in our life, Jesus touching us, his life coming into us. And these parents are saying, I want this for my babies. And I, I relate to that uh, quite a lot, and um, I know how deeply I want that for my own children, and and the good news is Jesus says to them let the little children come to me and then he says this amazing statement for to such belongs the kingdom of God These are these are babies that are coming to him and he says the kingdom of God belongs to them And I think for many kids when they're growing up with the church and they say you know I need to have some spiritual experience where I have this spiritual awakening. Something has to happen to me. I'm not sure what it is. I need to have some deeper understanding before I'm a full-fledged Christian. They're not getting the message. We're not saying to them then, the kingdom already belongs to you. That's what Jesus says. You already have it. It's yours. You have all the blessings. All that, is, it, it, that, that you get in the reign of Christ is yours. And that's the main message that we can just pour on them. And Jesus is saying, you see all these little children that are running around in here. They had better know that the kingdom is theirs. They don't have to earn it. It's a gift. God has given it to them. And that's what he's saying with these words. And, and you know, this is exactly why we baptize babies in this church. Uh, is because all the promises of God are to these children just by fa- the fact that they, that they um, are growing up in the church. We can't ask them. You know, a baby, I can't ask Grady, uh, do you believe in Jesus? So I give him the benefit of the doubt that he does. <laughs> and then I'm going to dump the promises of God, God on him. And... uh and you know actually, in this passage it 's very interesting, Luke is careful compared to the other Gospels to say that these were infants that uh, that jesus uh, that these parents were bringing to Jesus they weren 't just young children they weren 't like five year olds who can maybe say what they think they were, he, they were specifically infants and uh, some commentators say that this may even have been a baptismal passage because it talks about how Jesus says, "Do not hinder them from coming you know if you if you know uh, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he also wrote a second volume called The Acts of the Apostles. And in Acts, there's, uh, there's places where, uh, like the Ethiopian who hears the Gospel and he's uh, next to some water and he asks Philip, he says, what hinders me from getting baptized? It's the same word, kaluo, is, uh, is being used there. And so Jesus is saying, don't hinder them. That maybe in the early church this was a baptismal uh, passage. And so, um, many, but many people would say, you know, okay, you're going to bring the kid up. He doesn't have any idea what's going on. He's, he has no choice in this matter. Uh, you're just going to place on him baptism and say, this is your status, this is what you believe. Well, the fact is, that's exactly what the gospel is all about. I mean, if we tell our kids, no, you need to attain to a certain level, and then you have a relationship with God, and then you get what's, God, what's God's, we're telling them the opposite of the gospel, <laughs> if we're saying that. Because the gospel is not about our quest to find God. That is the, that's where Christianity is different than every other religion in the world. Every other religion is about us on a quest to try to find God. Christianity is about God coming on a quest to find us. I mean, which one of us came up with the idea for Jesus to come and die on a, die, you know, become a man and die for our sins on the cross? Who came up with that? <laughs> I think it wasn't my idea. God came up with that, and he sent him before we even asked. It was his initiative and for those of you who became Christians, who, was it your idea for God to put uh, uh, Christians in your life to share the gospel with you, to love you? That wasn't your idea. It was God pursuing you. It's God pursuing us. And the message we're saying to these kids is God is pursuing you before, before you could even talk, before you could even pursue Him, before you could even understand. That's the message, is that God is bringing His grace to you. And, um, you know, the... Uh, when... Uh, and and i understand this is uh this is not the, the the general view of evangelicals in america um even though this is the view of the christian church throughout history this has been by far the predominant view um one of the things that happens if we don't treat our kids as christians we begin to give them all the laws that they're supposed to obey so you know for example tons of christian kids will have to memorize ephesians 6 1 children obey your parents And they hear that again and again children obey your parents, children obey your parents. Ephesians 6 1, and they don't memorize any of the rest of Ephesians. Ephesians says, You were chosen by God before the foundations of the world. He set his love on you before he even made the world. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee to you that you will be with God forever and ever. He's saved you by pure grace. Through faith. You can't work for it. You can't earn God's salvation. It's a free gift. And he's planned good works for you. He's planned a life for you to give him glory. Good works for you to do your whole life. And you know, not only is he planned the good works, he's sprinkled gifts in your life. You have unique gifts and unique ways of, of serving people and knowing how to do things that no one else knows how to do. And God gave you those gifts so you could do the good works. And then he's clothed you with armor because you have, a, you know, the evil one wants to destroy you. And he's, he's given you protection. He's given you a shield. He's given you his word. He's given you a church. All these things, that's Ephesians. And we're not having them memorize any of that. We're having them memorize Ephesians 6.1. And our kids are growing up saying, well, what is Christianity? Christianity is about obeying my parents. And if I did that, if I did that to an adult, it would it would suffocate them. Jesus is freeing us here to say, "Let them come to me and give them all the promises, give them the good news." And uh, you know, I'll tell you, I was um, I was reading this week a little bit about the development of the brain in young uh, children, uh, and very fascinating. I don't know if you know this, some of you, are, you know, if you're a medical-minded person, uh, that. Early uh, even you know when a baby is just born, there is roughly a quadrillion uh, brain circuits in an in infant brain, a quadrillion that 's a thousand billion brain circuits and uh, as a baby and, and when they 're born, all these brain circuits are kind of dangling they 're not connected to anything and what happens is they come out and they have experiences, they have emotions, and people are talking to them, and they 're learning certain kinds of logic and things. Um, And they have certain, uh, uh, their brain fires in certain ways. These brain circuits uh, begin to bond together. So if if they have a certain kind of experience or thought that's happening to them a lot, certain brain circuits begin to bond together so that that becomes kind of uh, habitual for their brain to think in certain ways. This is happening, you know, the first five years, uh, you know, especially up to ten And what's happening is the architecture of their brain is being formed in those first five years. Their brain is learning how to respond emotionally to things, how to think logically, how to view the world, how to view people. And what we have is the opportunity is we pour the promises of God on our children. When we, you know... When we're hugging them, when we're kissing them, when we're playing with them, but also when we're praying for them, when we're telling them God loves them, God forgives them, uh, when they come to the table, when they're in this congregation singing, all of these experiences are an opportunity for us to hardwire into these children's brain the gospel. Hardwire into the very architecture, the physical architecture of the brain. I am a sinner saved by sheer grace, and God has um, set his love on me freely, and I can rest in him and I can trust in him. And we have this great opportunity to do that. If we say to kids, "You're not a full fledged Christian until you're 12 or you're 18 or something like that," we're missing that opportunity. Jesus is inviting us to pour on them the promises of God, and um, you know, um, you know. I know, for some people, they say, "Well, listen, kids need to grow up and." come to the faith on their own, right? They need, they need to make it their own. Uh, they can't just be dependent on me for their faith their whole life. And I absolutely agree with it. And I actually, I think when we give the kid, our kids the promises of God, uh, when they're young, we actually have the opportunity to, to make it their own. You know, I, I, I've been reading uh, through the Gospel of John with uh, Lucy and Will uh, at night when I'm lying in bed and I just read a little passage, uh, you know, maybe a third of a you know, Pricope is what it's called. It's just a paragraph. And if you know the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John ends by John saying, these things were written so that you might believe. So as you read through the Gospel of John, everywhere it's talking about this is so you'll believe. And if you believe in him, then you'll have eternal life. And if you believe, it's all um, inviting the reader to believe. And as we read through, every time I come through one of those passages, I say, hey, this says, you know, if you believe, you'll have eternal life. Do you believe? And I'm inviting them to make a profession of faith. And actually, I'll tell you, honestly, every time I do that, I feel kind of uneasy. I'm like... I hope they say yes, you know. I, I, the same feeling I'm going to have about them when they're older, but already I'm inviting them, I'm letting it. I, they now have the opportunity to make it their own. And I'm giving them opportunities all the time to profess their faith. And, and even in this church, uh, you know, some of you don't know this, uh, but the practice of this church is that, you know, a kid is baptized, and then they're admitted to the Lord's table after they meet with me, or when we have elders, they'll meet with the elders. And they have an opportunity to tell me, yeah, I do believe in Jesus, and yeah, I want to be with him forever, yeah, I want my sins forgiven, yeah, I want to come to the table. And it, we're inviting a profession of faith, and, and that's preparing them for the time when they're... Uh, when they're adults and they do need to make it their own, they're practicing that just like the rest of their life. They're learning to tie their shoes. They're learning to write. They're learning all these things. We're doing that same thing with their spiritual life, is giving it to them and letting them uh, make it their own, even in the, in the beginning. And, um, you know, I, let me just say one thing as a contrast to the, these statistics. I um, I was at Presbytery a couple weeks ago. I mentioned that where a number of pastors, some of them were there and some of them were sharing uh, reports about their church and things that were happening in the church. And there was one guy who's been a pastor in a church for 35 years. And he was saying, you know, we haven't seen tons of people become Christians in our church. Um, it's kind of grown slowly. It's We just preach through the Bible and we're not a flashy kind of church. But he said, over the course of 35 years, um, I've baptized hundreds of babies. And he had come across the whole list of these children. And he he has this view that we should treat children as christians when they're growing up we should treat them as christians and he said he went down the list of kids that were 18 and over 94 percent of them were still walking with the lord which was very powerful to me when you compare that to 70 percent uh 60 or 70 percent leaving the church um i think it's an invitation to us um uh to to regard these kids as, as 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 christians and you know I know this isn't a magic trick. I I, I know that there's going to be all kinds of things we're going to face with with kids. Kids God has paths for them that we can't control and we don't know what they are. And some of you are facing that with your kids right now. And um, this isn't a magic trick. But I think it is an invitation to us to give our children the promises of God, the same promises that we want. Now, um, our children don't need to become like us to come to Jesus. But Jesus doesn't stop there. You know, he says the kingdom belongs to them, but he pushes it one step further. And he says, not only do we not, uh, they not need to become like us, but actually we do need to become like them. We need to watch these little children that are running around, and we actually have something we have to learn from them. So um, that's the second point, um, and I, uh, is that we do need to become like them if we are going to come to Jesus. And you see that there in verse 17. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And, uh, you know, in the kingdom of God, everything is backwards, right? So the way you mature as a Christian, you, you grow up into a child in the kingdom of God. That's what growing up is, is you become more like a child. And I just want to briefly say three qualities of children that, uh, that I think they represent, that we need to learn from them about uh, what it means to be a Christian. Uh, their weakness, their willingness, and their wonder. Okay, I'm going to try to shoot through these because I know I spent a lot of time on that first one. So first, um, their weakness. Um, you know, the, in, in our culture, ever since the 19th century, uh, we think of children as kind of symbols of purity and freedom. And basically, this is what it means to be human and to be alive is to be a child. That, that kind of thought that we have in our culture would not have been true in Jesus' culture. And Jesus' culture is a very traditional uh, Society—it's an f- extended family kind of society. So a person's worth in in that culture was always what can they contribute to the extended family and to the uh, to the social structure that they're a part of. And children provided nothing; <laughs> they didn't work, they didn't—you uh, know—they just uh, they were needy, and they uh, you just had to pour into them, and they didn't give anything back to the family. So they were very—you uh, dis- know—considered as, as kind of the lowest status in that society. Because they were so needy and dependent. And they contributed nothing. And what Jesus says is that when we become Christians, we become children of God. And that that dependency, that weakness, is something that actually, that's despised in Jesus' culture, is actually becomes the very quality that we need to be a part of the kingdom of God. Is a neediness and dependence that everything we have, it comes as a gift from our Father. And we're totally dependent on Him. And... Um, the, uh, you know, uh, Trev has mentioned this to me a number of times about uh, the thought that when we're in heaven and, you know, we're kind of freed from all our troubles, I always think that, you know, kind of being freed and being freed from sin, it means I'm not going to be needy anymore. I'm not going to be dependent on anyone. I'll just be able to function well in my life. <laughs> and, and he's always like, you know, actually, when we get to heaven, We're going to be just as dependent on God for everything. We're going to have to ask him for everything. We're just actually going to like doing it. (laughs) We're going to like asking God for everything, and we're going to trust him. And it's our flesh that doesn't want to be like children. We want to be independent. We want to be strong. And Jesus says, listen, if you're going to enter the kingdom, you need to be like a child because that's what life in the kingdom is like, is just receiving free gifts from God. So first, children, are their weakness... Um, we don't grow out of our weakness; we grow into it. Dependency is something we grow into. Second of all, is their willingness. Um, children are are not as suspicious as adults are. Um, you know, we grow. You know, we're born into the world with a rebellious heart. We have sin in our hearts, but um, as we age, and people hurt us, and uh, you know, we go through all kinds of hard things and we people betray our trust, um, we become very cynical uh, about the world as we grow up. And so we're very unwilling to just, you know, um, accept things on face value. And uh, children, that hasn't happened to them yet. They're willing to, you know, I mean, even in a place like Bellingham, Bellingham, is kind of a hallmark of, uh, this is Western culture in general. A hallmark of Western culture is a suspicion that there's always, you know, if you say there's an almighty, benevolent God that just loves you and is working all things for good, that is just kind of a silver lining. I mean, that's just wishful thinking. Uh, Our culture is much more cynical about the world and doesn't believe that something like that could be true. Children are never that way. Children are always have hearts open and ready to trust and to believe uh, that, It's possible there is a good God, that He is working all all things for good. There's a willingness to believe. And you know, um, uh, uh, my daughter Lucy's always asking me, uh, you know, she'll be listening to the radio or something, and a line from a song comes on. She's like, hey, I was listening to the radio, there's this line from the song. Is that good or bad? Do we like that or not like that? And there's, I need, she wants to be trained, how do I? assess the world. You know, um, I saw a magazine, this girl was wearing that. That's not good, right? And, yeah, it's not good, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and there's a teachability, you see? There's a willingness to be shaped and to be formed. There's not a hardness to say, I'm immovable. It's teach me. It's an openness. It's a willingness. And that to be a part of the kingdom of God, we need to have that teachability as well. God requires that of us. And I'll tell you, when we have that teachability, it opens us to the third thing about children that uh, we can learn from them is a sense of wonder. Wonder. Children wonder at the world. Um, You know, children instinctually know that we are living in a giant story. They know we're living in a story. I I mean, uh, you know, I I can't... uh, uh, My children, whenever they're playing a game, it always transforms into a story. Something's being played out. That's why one of the biggest arguments in our house is who has to be the bad guy? And, you know, you'd think, well, can't we just not have a bad guy? No. No bad guy? Like, that's not a story. There has to be a bad guy. There has to be someone who is taken captive by the bad guy. And there has to be a hero who goes and rescues him. What else would we be doing? They know instinctually that that's the world we're living in. That's the truth of the world is that there is a good God and there is an, uh, an evil power that has taken us captive and there's a good God who's coming and rescuing us. That's the, world, that's the truth of the world we're living in. And they just get that instinctually. And, uh, you know, um, I maybe shared this with you. A few years ago, we were watching the movie uh, Hook uh, with our kids. And actually, we just came across a picture of us watching it, actually. And Will had a Batman suit on. Uh, with, uh, you know, Batman glasses and a sword while he's watching it. It's kind of a mix of genres, you know, Peter Pan and Batman. But, um, but uh, you know, he was prepared and he was watching the movie. If you've seen the end, there's this big battle between the Lost Boys and, and Hook's clan, you know, the pirates. And uh, during the battle, he kept running into the back of the computer. We were watching it on a computer. He kept trying to get behind the computer. He's like, me go there, me go there. And he was trying to get into the computer into the scene, you know, uh, he was, you know, I need to jump into the story and uh, be a part of it. And, you know, actually, that's what the Bible is. You know, the Bible, you know that movie, uh, Never Ending Story, that movie that came out where the kid goes up in the attic and he's reading a book, and all of a sudden, as he's reading it, it turns out he's in the story and he's kind of playing it out. That's actually what the Bible is. The Bible is a giant story that's actually the story of the world we're living in. And when we read it, we actually find out we have a role in it. And when Jesus is dying for sinners, it's us. (laughs) And when he's telling these truths about the world, he's telling it about our families and workplaces. And we're actually living in that story. And children understand that this world is charged with meaning, with story, and that we're living in that. And uh, Lucy, actually, she just told me that uh, the other night we were getting ready for bed. And she said to me, Dad, you know, do you know what the best story in the world is, Dad? We're in it. It's this one. It's happening right now. You know, and the one that God's writing, and we're in it right now. And it's like, oh, what's You know, what's happening in the story, and what what Lucian will get is actually a very sophisticated little bit of theology. Uh, N. T. Wright, who's one of the top New Testament scholars in the world, uh, says. In his big book, the New Testament, the people of God Big Book of Theology and Second Temple Judaism, he says, basically what the Bible is is it's like a Shakespeare play. There's five acts in the play, and one of them's missing. The Bible tells us this, the setting, the creation, the fall that man has rebelled against humanity, that God is coming has brought a hero who's redeeming a people to himself, and then there's a part missing, and then we tell, get the end that God's going to make all things right, that Jesus is going to come back. And where's Act 4? <laughs> we're, we're in Act 4 right now. It's being written with our lives. We're playing it out. And the Bible, we're kind of taking the other four acts and we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we get from Act 3 to Act 5? And we're playing it out. And there's a sense of wonder that we're living in a giant story. That's... <laughs> That's what we need to be a part of the kingdom is that sense of wonder and willingness. I'll tell you what that means. The good news is that what, what that means about our relationship with our, the children in this church is that it's a dialogue. They need us to tell them the promises of God, dump on them the promises of God, dump on them what God has done for us in Christ. And we need them to show us how to receive it, how to believe it. And together, we're going to walk together into the kingdom, showing each other how to do it. And so it's a great picture that Jesus gives us. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you for this amazing passage. We thank you for children and the children in this church. Would we learn from each other? Would you teach us to receive the kingdom like a child? And uh, with embracing our weakness, with a willingness and a teachability And also with a sense of wonder that uh, you are active, that you are the hero. And that we're looking for you to work and that we're glad that we're a part of it. So we thank you that you've brought us into your story. In Jesus' name.